0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of You Two Can Book Review. I'm your host, Thaddeus Bradley, and today we'll be doing something a little bit different. Uh, I convinced my brother, Thomas Bradley, to sit down with me to discuss and reflect on our mutual history and love of science fiction and fantasy writing. We explored the origins of the exposure we both had to fantasy worlds, as well as uh, his colorful opinion on everything from traditional mainstays like Lord of the Rings to uh, the more obscure, such as Terry Pratchett, Dan Simmons, and the Prophet series. This conversation is wide-ranging and hilarious, and I'm so excited to get to share with you one of the most beautiful minds I've ever met, and certainly one of my favorite companions here on this earth, Thomas William Bradley. Okay, so then, after, you know, craziest, then I also want to explore the best fantasy sci-fi universe the most whether that's to you the most complete the most bizarre and then of course and i think my favorite the worst you've ever been to got it a lot of different ways we can go here yeah a lot of different places we can go
1: okay i gotta think i gotta start thinking
0: yeah But, uh, but let's do it so first you're, you're reading, you know, you're reading kids' books. Mm-hmm. You're reading freaking Dr. Seuss. Yep. You're reading, you know, what have you. First world, was it Once in Future King, King Arthur, T.H. White? Mm-hmm. What was the first fantasy sci-fi world that you explored? And was it something mom and dad recommended? Or was it something you found on the shelves?
1: Uh... Or first one you remember? Mm -hmm. I think the first one that I remember... I can't decide if it was The Hobbit or Narnia. I mean, those are pretty classic. Yeah. But, uh... I think the first one I would have read all the way through would have had to have been Narnia, because those are more children's books. The Hobbit is... I remember vividly reading The Hobbit for the first time. I do remember reading it. Uh... But Narnia kind of permeates my childhood more than... The Lord of the Rings is, like, something that for me, the whole universe is something that uh, I definitely remember more as, like, it came to me at a time when I was creating, when I was, like, this... Like, I'm creating my own worlds in my head and all of this stuff. Uh, and... Um, but I think Narnia was before I even had the... Like, a, the faintest idea about hmm. creating or imagining my own stuff. Like, hmm. I was always out in the backyard, like, imagining things, but not on the scale of, like, here's a new world or something. It was more like, hmm. you know, I'm grocery shopping like mom and dad, you know? Like, at that point in my life, when, like, I was merely copying other people, yeah. that, I think Narnia was around then. So that was probably the first. Hmm. And... For many, many, many years, uh, a very rich and like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of books, and it definitely took me years before i I would like read parts of them or read part way through when I was like probably nine, ten years old. but when I was around hmm. eleven or twelve and thirteen, I read over the course of two years. I remember reading I got a set for Christmas yeah. and I read all the way through. I remember that set. And man, I loved every mm. minute of reading those books. I think for a lot of people what Harry Potter was, mm. Narnia was for me, for mm. sure. I remember you know looking reading the words on the page and vividly seeing mm. as if it was appearing before me. Wow. Narnia, like Narnia is so real to me. I can conjure up in an instant. Mm you know, what people's faces look like, what the colors on their banners were, what Mm. the landscape was. Like, I can remember The Horse and His Boy, which is, like, such an obscure book. Yeah, it is. I remember almost everything about that book. From the beginning to the end, I can remember the entire thing. Mm. Uh, It's like, yeah. So those books had a huge impact on me. Mm. And, um, Mm. And I also remember with Narnia, it was one of the first books where I had the desire... For uh, a Silmarillion, essentially. Yeah. A Narnian Silmarillion. I wanted to know who are the Telmarinians, I think they're called. Yeah. Who are these uh, guys in the South? I can't... That's the problem is I can't remember yeah, yeah. names. But uh, I wanted to know, like... Like, they gave a creation story. Yeah. That was awesome. And I loved that. I loved that, like, world-building moment in... Um, Magician's Nephew. Magician's Nephew, that's right. <clears throat> uh and it was world-building for the kids who were going back through the portals. Like, mm-hmm. it, everything about it was uh, was exactly what I wanted. It was, like, filling out the details. And the horse and his boy filled out, like, what's going on in the South? Like, wh- you know, yeah. who are these people? And then, you know, uh, there were books that kind of filled out a little bit of telmaranian lore of, like, maybe these are guys who also stumbled through a portal at some point from Earth, hmm. but at a different time. Like, I seem to remember that. Maybe I'm completely getting that wrong, but, hmm. uh, yeah, I remember a lot of stuff like that. And, anyway, long story short, Narnia was the book hmm. series where I wanted a Silmarillion and didn't have one and was like, why is there not more, like, source material in yeah, this world? on this universe. Uh, which is what I've always... I've always wanted to know the gritty details or like, you know, Mm. okay, what are the political boundaries or like, who was king before so-and-so and and why did he come to power? Like, which is why the Lord of the Rings is the first series that satisfied every craving I had Hmm. for, I mean, you can, I, you know, you, I can think to the beginning of time with, uh, I'm not sure if it's EO or... Yeah, I'm blanking on. Yeah, now. names can't do names, but the God uh, archetype in the Lord of the Rings, all the way to, you know, where it fades out into supposedly modern history. You know, after the Third Age, humans rise, dwarves and elves recede, like hobbits mingle with the population and become us or whatever. Like <clears throat> I can hmm. every, I mean, there's there's a history of every minute. And what happened all throughout time in that universe. Hmm. And that was the first where what I'd wanted from a lot of fantasy and sci-fi I'd read, it was given to me. Hmm. I remember being particularly frustrated by movies. Uh, really frustrated. The first time I saw Predator, I was... It's a dumb, dumb, dumb movie. Yeah. But I was like... Monster hunter from another planet comes after arnold and we don't know who he is what he's doing why he's like like we we just have no freaking clue about this guy and it was the same with alien like that movie is frustrating because in a good way because it's such an unknown evil Hmm. and that idea to me the whole time i'm watching alien i'm like first time and the second time and the third time i was like what is this thing? Like this monster from hell, like, and, and yeah, I have a lot to say about it. but, uh,
0: but there's no complete, there's so universe. many movies
1: except Blade Runner. Blade Runner does a, such a good job. The original of, uh, promising a universe and then absolutely delivering mm-hmm. and giving you so many enticing little strings that you're like, Oh, I want to just watch an entire movie about this character. Yeah. Uh, Did you
0: watch Blade Runner 2049? I did. Did you feel that that was...
1: that that fit in still? Into the universe? I thought Blade Runner 2049 was a... Was a really, really, really good continuation of that universe. It was a really good outing for a lot of actors... Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford. Your favorite, Jared Leto. Oh my god. <laughs> I think it was a terrible movie. Really? Eight times in that movie we saw a scene that had absolutely nothing to do with anything and like Jared Leto's whole thing was so contrived starkly contrived and unnecessary yeah. that it ruins an otherwise excellent movie. Yeah. That first scene where he comes in on Batista, is, is that guy's name Batista? No.
0: Oh, the farmer.
1: What, what is that actor's name? He plays yeah. the dude in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. For some reason I'm thinking Batista, but I feel like that's completely... No, crazy.
0: that's a WWE fighter. Yeah, yeah,
1: that is. I feel like that guy's a WWE fighter. Maybe right? he is. Maybe yeah. it's one and the same. I, I don't know if they're the same guy, but... But he's
0: a great, he's a great
1: uh, minor character. That felt so much like watching Blade Runner of yeah. like here's this thing where like, who is this guy? What's yeah. his deal? Yeah. I wanna know. Like, yeah. let's watch a movie about this guy. Yeah. And then you meet uh, the the captain, his his handler, mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, uh and she's Oh, uh freaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I you're, mean. you're uh, uh. Robin Your Wright. girl Robin Wright. That's right. I mean, phenomenal. And, and she you're can like, do all wrong. you want to watch a whole movie where it's just them two, yeah. and she's like struggling with like paternal feelings for this yeah. robot. Or and like, what's her origin story? Exactly. Oh, so many characters in that movie. This is what happened, though. It's another film where
0: they spent, okay, let's say it was an hour and a half, let's say it was two hours long. Mm-hmm. They spent an hour and 20 minutes building up and then
1: had to cram resolution.
0: Into like 30 minutes.
1: And the idea of, here's these two spaceships, they are hovercraft, they fall into the water, there's a fight in the water, Uh, it was beautifully shot, it was beautifully composed, and it just felt like, why are we seeing an action scene? This is not an action movie. Like, there's been spots of intensity where your heart races, but... Race my heart. Spike my adrenaline. Sh- scare me or something. Don't Turn pander to me yeah. with a, these spaceships. Who's going to... what? This is not a movie about who can fly better. It's never been about that. And then a punching... Like, now we're going to brawl? Like, there was a intense and such evocative scene of first a gun duel yeah. between Harrison and Gosling, and then they're beating the shit out of each other yeah. and the music's playing. If the movie had climaxed in an equally artistic yeah. way. Yeah. It, and it, it sucked too with, with the waves and the wall and, you know, they're on the shore. There was, there was definitely, they were going for that, but it was too much. Like, why are we suddenly in hovercrafts? Like these have not been an important part of this film. Hmm who can fly better and like now they're dodging and shooting each other and then like i don't know the ending of that movie would have been good if it had been more honestly more um that that scene where harrison and gosling is fighting Mm -hmm. it was like porn for someone who's like really into blade runner you know what i mean it was like we're gonna give you a not only are these two gonna meet but they're gonna like brawl while elvis plays in a nightclub where it's pitch black and then illuminated by flashing lights yeah. like what like yeah, that was that's beautiful. exactly how we want to see these guys in this crazy technicolor display of violence yeah. and you know the grittiness of this world like everything you wanted so give us at the end Something that's like this is Blade Runner, yeah. this is what you came into this theater to watch, yeah. Equally. But instead, we got that, and then we got Gosling bleeding out on the steps while Harrison meets his daughter, and that, even the white of the scene, like the purity, supposedly, of like hmm. Gosling is now in this like white snow environment where previously it's been like black or rust or desert or you know, all these like pretty, yeah. dirty colors. So now it's like this kind of like evocative hit that nail a little harder. You know, like, really (sniffs) go way over the top and hit us with some kind of super crazy thing like Tears in the Rain from the original. Like, that was so goddamn melodramatic, unnecessary, and... Beautiful. And yet... Haunting. Hauntingly beautiful ending to an excellent movie. Yeah, they knew
0: they could play it safe. I did appreciate in the ending, though, that... uh, That it wasn't him. Oh, yeah. That was huge for me. Oh, yeah. That did a lot for me. Well,
1: especially because he was the audience surrogate all along. We saw... Oh, and this is what I hate about this movie. Every single scene was seen from the perspective of Ryan Gosling. If there was a conversation that was happening where he wasn't in the room, we never knew about it. Except for all of a sudden, Jared Leto and... I heard a justification for it that, well, Jared Leto is like his god, so it's like the mind of his god, like he's technically connected, so what we're, when we see Jared Leto, like we're, when we see Gosling, we're also actually already seeing Leto's perspective, like everything is Leto's, and I, like, yeah. go fuck yourself, this was a bad movie, it was a bad, bad movie, 99% of it was beautifully crafted, excellent, everything, but the movie itself is bad. Because of those scenes.
0: Yeah, they played it
1: safe. Yeah. There's lots of movies like that. Yeah. Where they just had some scenes where you're like, oh, All
0: right, let's step back from that rabbit hole and go That's to... Uh,
1: had nothing to do with...
0: I know, had nothing to do wait, with...
1: Tell me about your early...
0: Uh, I think days. it was the same. I think Chronicles of Narnia, because Mom and Dad felt that that was safe and a good mm-hmm. way to introduce we us to... We weren't too. allowed to
1: read everybody.
0: Yeah. Uh... Although now it's Is it funny. okay if I cuss on this? It is, yeah. I mean, I can either bleep things out or... I've been
1: I've been dropping some egg bombs.
0: Well, I can just let... I think it lets the audience know that it's explicit content. I don't think any of my viewership... Don't children listen to this? No, I, I don't think siblings? there's children. <laughs> and there's really no professional. What about our mother? <laughs> I don't think mom knows this show exists. Right. Um, no, so it was Chronicles of Narnia. And then... I was still in copying phase, and so...
1: Do you remember the little world I created, Isterim? Yep, yep, 100%. So that was directly... Before I ever had an inkling of creating anything. Yeah, I don't know. You must have had some inkling, because you ripped Isterim oh, to Oh, I shreds. ripped it to shreds. <laughs> I really did. As a, a probably 9 or 10-year-old, yeah. I... Well, I was an acidic little shit back then. But I mean, that world... Got... I was like, yeah. I was like, where's the economy? How, why is this product, like, what, how do they,
0: that world, the Isterim was world. drawn from, uh, actually the Bible and Chronicles of Narnia. I had genealogies, just lists of names. Mm-hmm. Well, where does that come from? Well, freaking, you know, Exodus, where mm-hmm. it's like so-and-so, son of fat, so-and-so, and it's just endless. Yeah. And you just want to, and for some reason I was into that and eh? you did a full genealogy, uh, so, yeah, it was Narnia. I've got a taste for genealogies. Well, yeah, just like you kind of mentioned. So, Narnia and then Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings was uh, the, 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 I mean, it will always be the uh-huh. standard by which everything else is judged. It is the pinnacle, uh, the most complete, because he was a linguist. Because you know you read these other this stuff and they're just making
1: up names. The Lord of the Rings are not good books. Oh, <laughs> they're good histories. They, that histories can be good books. Histories. They're not novels.
0: Like histories
1: not, are accounts of what's happened, and the Lord of the Rings feel like an extremely true to fact history of what happened who said what yeah what went down uh they're too long they're too detailed they are and i loved every second of it they're they're in the way that you read uh you read like what's that guy's name swift is that the Ah, oh, fuck! I forget his name. Gulliver's Travels. Sure, Gulliver's Travels. That or, was Swift. Or Treasure Island. Or, or uh, Robinson Crusoe. I don't know. why I keep thinking marooned ones, but uh, you read books that universally people are like uh, Jane Eyre, my favorite book of all time. Yeah, is written well. Um, well I guess it's not paced well either. Maybe. Well, the here's the thing. They are
0: good books, but they're different. If Lord of the Rings they're had not been written, written like books, though, no, no, they're not. They're not written like modern books. If Lord of the Rings had been written like Name of the Wind, it wouldn't be as oh, it'd good. It'd be a
1: terrible. It'd be terrible. It'd be awful. Mm-hmm. It'd be so. It'd be so cheap. You really hate the name of the wind. No, I hate Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah, here's why you hate him, Ted. Because you look back on 15-year-old you and you remember dreaming up the exact same world Patrick Rothfuss created. And the limits of Patrick's, the limits you see of Patrick's creativity frustrate you because you believe you have those same limits.
0: What frustrates me is I can't write dialogue like he can. He's a gifted writer. Mm -hmm. He can write dialogue and I can't. He is imagination He has less imagination than you could fit in a dinner spoon. I mean, it's crazy. I think, Ted... The the capacity of his mind is...
1: Ted... Shocking. Here is what is going on. You need to accept that the dude wrote best-selling books that are imperfect. And you can, too. That's what you hate about Patrick, is... If you can criticize someone for creating an excellent, excellent, excellent book that you can find an imperfection in, you'll be able to find imperfections in your own work continually. You'll always Absolutely. be able to find something imperfect. And you'll say, well, I would never do what Patrick Roth has did. What? Publish a internationally best-selling, critically renowned book, which we both agree has excellent, excellent writing throughout. And yes, has a few shortcomings. You know, you should do what Patrick Roth has did. You should do that exactly. No, what I'm,
0: I'm, I'm scared because someday when I do finally write something, it will not be able to hold a candle to the writing.
1: I don't believe that's true. In his. I don't believe that's true. No, it is. Because you have skills that he doesn't have. No, it is. Because think of people in history You have honesty. That guy's not honest with himself.
0: Think of people in history who the one person is able to sell the content and the other has the genius idea but can't uh, articulate it, you know, is... (laughs) The tortured poet. Okay, I'm trying to think of a good. Okay, example I'll of give that.
1: You, I'll give you an exact example. Van Gogh. Okay, perfect. Never or exactly. sold a painting or something. Yeah. Some crazy thing. Tortured, tortured artist. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're Van Gogh. You work as an you know you do insurance for the rest of your life, and then. Van Gogh was depressed. Sure. Sure his entire life. You have some problems, some <laughs> mental problems in your life, you die and then your writing becomes incredibly popular because you're not able to sell it through your whole life? Is that what you're talking? You know, about?
0: nobody today though and I certainly can't accept that. Like look at Dostoevsky. Think Dostoevsky, actually most of the great people who we consider great Russian authors right now were totally neglected in their lifetimes. Yeah. Now Dostoevsky, Tolstoy,
1: it's just God. Yeah. I hate Russian literature so much. Well, that's fine. It's because I have a problem. The books are uh, incredible. They're absolutely important works, but I their character
0: development. My attention. Brothers coming. Karamazov. Anything Dostoevsky wrote, his ability to create characters. It's so and subtle too. It's
1: crazy. It's so subtle. It's, it's He'll take a hundred pages. Just to really take his time and let you know, like, this is what this person truly feels in the heart of hearts. It's intense. It's... yeah. It's definitely something. I'm making a huge generalization here, but... Well... I feel like half of what I just said is a lot of me just believing something and not... Based on any facts about Patrick Rothfuss sure, or about you, Dostoevsky. Patrick
0: Rothfuss, Oh, no, it's fine. We're sounding off. Uh, okay, next question. Craziest sci-fi fantasy universe or world you've been introduced to, and thus by extension, through their writing, craziest mind so far that you've kind of bumped up against. Is it um, Douglas Adams? I it-
1: a couple of them. Are uh, Terry Pratchett, obviously, guys who can look at, especially uh, Douglas Adams' detective series. Uh, those especially, which are quite a bit more grandiose in some strange ways than his uh, Hitchhiker's Guide series. But um, those are two guys who can do, they can look at fantasy and sci-fi and the world of their own imagination and they can find humor in there. Hmm. And like when I'm in my imago-sphere or whatever when I'm up there thinking and daydreaming about like you know some alternate universe I'm never laughing. Like a Hmm. 0% of the time Hmm. am I thinking of something humorous. Hmm. But these guys are able to just they're just playing around up there. Yeah. And that's a mind that I don't, I don't even, I can't comprehend. Like, I think those guys are, it's like a, it's like the idea of, it's a double layer of what I pride myself on being able to do, like be, being able to imagine something. These guys were able to not only get in there and imagine it, but then be like, wouldn't it be hilarious if, you know, and uh, sometimes Terry Pratchett, you know, will plan a trope. Like, he'll be like, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, carrier... There was a whole mail system based on carrier pigeons. And, like, what would an administrator of that system... So he's just kind of riffing on, like, our modern mail systems and, like, administrative duties and yeah. all this stuff. But then sometimes he really just goes off on a tear. Like, for a chapter, he'll just be like, oh, there's this dwarf. And, uh, here's what he's doing. And you're just like, What? Like, he just goes in some crazy direction. Mm. And it's not based on anything he's observing in the world, from what I can see. Mm. It looks just like he's just playing around up there, just like... Mm. And I don't understand that. I think those are the two of the craziest minds I've ever encountered. There are also worlds... um, There are worlds that I've encountered that are pretty insane. Uh, The Prophet series, the new Prophet reboot, um, which... I'll probably talk about it later but that series is pretty wild there was a book series I believe it was in the Warhammer universe um the Warhammer universe is incredibly like brutal uh and I remember reading a couple Warhammer books and just like the, it's like a I don't know it was like a brutality and like darkness that I was like what is going on i felt the same way uh when i read uh not in but oh hyperion hyperion uh i was like this is so like mm. brutal yeah i only read that more recently in the last like three or four years but um yeah just like mm. that person's mind must be like pretty fucking wild like yeah Yeah, there's, like, the brutality of, like, yeah, I imagine them going to sleep and having, like, vivid nightmares about insane, fantastical things and, like, needing a release almost for that kind of stuff. Maybe not the guys who write Warhammer, but.
0: Or they're just giving voice to it. I mean, I think of.
1: I think of crazy shit, but not, like. Not th- anything that is coherent. Eternally or cool.
0: electrified on uh those trees. That first scene in yeah. Hyperion.
1: Yeah.
0: That's that's
1: haunting. I think it the same way about H.R. Giger, uh the guy yeah. who yeah. was the art director on Alien um and has done a bunch of other who shit.
0: Uh was involved with uh uh And Ridley Scott. Yeah, but before that, um Dune.
1: Yeah. Dune, the when guy who wrote Dune, make... uh, what's his name? Herbert something or? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Herbs and spices. Anyway, uh, those kind of guys where it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like. Do you know he lived around here?
0: And I've stayed at his cabin out on what? Bashan Island.
1: That's crazy. We well, don't even know his name. Yeah. can't even um, think of his name.
0: Um, what is his but name? But yeah, those Dune
1: is one where you're like, what in the world? Just the whole concept what? of like. The sand. Like, this dude's about sand, man. He, like, really cares about sand. That was well. based off of the dunes uh, uh, on the Oregon coast. You know those dunes yeah. we run he down? just saw him and he got, like, a vision. That's crazy, man. I, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I Frank just, Herbert. Frank Herbert. I knew it was Urban.
0: Dang it. I almost said Robert Jordan. That's so Robert embarrassing. Robert Jordan? Wheel of Time series. Yeah. Um the Dune thing is crazy because when what is his name H R Giger or mm-hmm. when they all were
1: working on it and they like Salvador Dali was in it was and, that the one with uh, the guy who's did. in uh, was that the one I see on like Netflix with the guy who was in um, Twin Peaks I love that guy Kyle Mc No Kyle something. Mm-mm. The
0: first Dune never really, to never my knowledge, out. never really came out, and it was. And I was telling you the, the documentary about how it was so massive what they were trying to get mm-hmm. off the ground, and it was before Star Wars, mm-hmm. and so the, the uh, one of there the guys. There was
1: no sci-fi market before Star Wars.
0: Yeah, there was no sci-fi market, but he was saying, "Listen, Star Wars: A New Hope comes out. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Space is fun. Space is." Mm-hmm. bizarre yeah. but it's fun yeah. and it's safe and approachable. Touchable.
1: very approachable
0: if Dune had come out the Dune they were making space
1: would have been alien and space is a is a scary place yeah
0: and which space... is how it should be yeah. honestly yeah
1: I enjoy that far far more yeah space is hauntingly empty and space is not Star Trek no 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 do you know what I mean and and Star Trek happened because of Star oh Wars. absolutely now here before Star Wars the sci-fi we had was uh, what why we have Mystery Science theater uh, Star Wars single-handedly created the whole archetype of I mean every show you've watched um, which I think is so fascinating that it's such an interesting concept because if you think about up to that point where we actually were with like space flight and travel and yeah. like space was still horrifying yeah it was still like, we're sending these guys up there. We're gonna to try to do something, but yeah. like, a lot of dudes die, and like, like it just it wasn't a friendly place. Everything we knew about it, it was cold and dark and horrible. You couldn't breathe. What's the time? It is eleven a.m. We still have a okay. little bit of time. Awesome. Uh, uh, but then Star Wars was a completely novel concept because it was just like, hey, what if everything was nice? Like, yeah, there's an empire, but they're a clearly defined evil enemy that you could fight. Space itself is just a nice round disc that you're flying around in playing chess with your furry buddy. See, and that's the problem.
0: In Star Wars, it is. It's so clearly delineated. Good, evil. Empire, Mm -hmm. rebellion. And it's safe. It's completely approachable. And completely unlike reality. Mm -hmm. Whereas Dune... Dune is just... Pretty. Dune will just chew you up and spit mm-hmm. you out, and mm-hmm. has no moral obligation, which is real life
1: in a lot of ways. Even in the book, none of the characters have uh, moral qualms. Period. Like, I, I, yeah. like there are people who are worse objectively, like Baron Harkonnen. Oh, or whatever, absolutely. Like, is objectively Warped, worse. sick mind. But then our main character is like his main political supposedly tools are poison and like yeah misinformation and lies like every single character is tainted by being what we would call like morally bankrupt yeah but dune doesn't give a shit like the witcher the witcher is another game where your character his job is murdering people or you know a lot of times it's creatures but a healthy chunk of the time his job is cutting swaths of people down people who are not evil. Mm-hmm. They are merely in his way. Products of their society. Okay, so let's
0: let's explore this. I want to explore each of us. Best sci-fi fantasy world. Mm-hmm. That can be by whatever standard you want to say. Mm-hmm. If you can come to one. And then I want to explore worst or most frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I won't say name of the wind for mine. Uh...
1: I would I I would be tempted to say Um the world of Oh my god am I gonna forget it. What the fuck is the name of this book? It's been one of my favorite books of all time. Forever War. Oh yeah. By what's his fucking name? Who I also know and can't remember. No clue. With the book you've told me to read probably 20 times. And you've never had. That I never had. I would say Forever War, but it's a Vietnam allegory. And so it is... The writer himself was too... uh, He was too much caught up in proving his point and trying to paint a picture of his world and his reality. Mm. That it's not a truly universal reality type thing. Same with The Lord of the Rings. J. R. Otokian is writing a story about something, and, like, it's all his perspective. The 100% of it. And that's what's difficult, is the majority of fantasy settings, or any setting, period, is this is the perspective of this person, which makes it really, really difficult to find a truly unbiased and, like, non-inherently flawed fantasy or sci-fi concept. Well, both examples you just
0: gave are people trying to make sense of their pretty brutal experiences, both in war. I think Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings as a mental outlet for his experiences Mm -hmm. in the war Mm -hmm. and it sounds like forever war
1: is even more closely oh it's crazy great great world creation in that um really interesting i like that 80s like people using like a device that they always are like a device the size of your thumb and it could lift things ionically like they're always like pushing a button and like a spaceship takes like there's just like their sense of scale is so wild hmm. uh, because they are thinking of smartphones but they have no concept of computers being able to fit into something that small or like of technology moving to a touch screen place so there's a button instead of a you know it's like a big red button on a little yeah. handheld thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're always using words like uh he ticked the marker up three or what it like They they just use a very tactile language. Yeah, interesting. uh, To describe everything because they don't have any concept of non physical. Yeah. uh, Control Hmm. controls of any kind. So like sometimes they'll talk about like if it's early enough they'll talk about like uh, yeah they're like plotting a course through the stars or something and they're like you know, entering data into the computer and, like, turning a wheel or, like, you know, adjusting dials and it's, like, all things that we would be, like, no, let the computer turn the wheel, let the computer turn the dial. Yeah, talk to Alexa. Right, like, why would you physically have to do any of that? Uh, Hmm. Yeah, I like, I really, really like that. Um, Hmm. I'll be honest, I think my favorite world, which is not a book, and I'm sorry, but... No, it's fine. Uh, I think the world of Alien, mm. the first movie without any subsequent films, mm. if, if that movie is isolated as a single thing from the shape of the ship to the clothes that they wear to the tools that they use to the every single thing about it mm. is really perfectly designed Hmm. and it looks like it just looks perfect and feels perfect and there's zero moments where you know what i just watched i just watched a movie called valerian don't watch the city of
0: a thousand planets i don't
1: fucking know uh yeah Yeah. at one point they're they're down some kind of assault of like a big stadium or something and they pull out m16s Soldiers pull out M16s or or whatever the AR-15. I don't know what the fucking rifle is specifically, but it's an M16 or AR-15. AR, it's like a modern rifle. Yeah. And I, from that point on, all I could notice was like, why does that guy have a my mug? Like he's got a yeah. coffee mug that says best, like, best captain on it. Or like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, unless you're Star Trek and it's like, Oh, memorabilia from Earth. Like, that's cool. But anything else, oh, I fucking hate that. And so many movies do it where they they just fail so badly. Especially post-apocalyptic movies where the entire thing is like, you have humanity. You know what we're capable of. What would we do in this situation? And people just fuck up. Mm. Constantly, they fuck up. Most post-apocalyptic movies, whether zombie or disaster or whatever, are ruined for me because mm. people people just
0: can't. Have you can't read The it. Road or or seen the oh, yeah. movie they did?
1: Because mm-hmm. that was Cormac McCarthy. That guy really has a bleak outlook on humanity's. Inner, but to me, that was a a, comp- a well done. Oh, yeah, because there was nothing in it, yeah, it was just very empty, <laughs> yeah. They had a lot of ash, yeah, which is realistic, and, a, and they found a can of beans, but after that, it was just more ash, yeah,
0: which is realistic, though. Yep, you know, you're not going to find this freaking ready player
1: one. I don't remember why he carved a bullet in a wood, I don't
0: remember why that happened. Okay, so, so the so best
1: most complete for you is Alien. Uh, yeah, and most '80s books, uh, I really really enjoy the world mm. they build because they do. Where a modern book will say something like, you know, he entered, you know, full power, or like he, you know, he pushed the jet to its limits an 80s book might take more time to say like you know he strained against the controls and like they yeah. just there's something so huh. visceral and real about the the entirety of sci-fi is about your equipment and your technology huh. and so when you really take the time to describe this is how you interact this like yeah. this is how they interact this because th- that's the relationship we care about is the relationship between Most sci-fi is about the relationship between humanity and a technology that we, as a kid, don't have. And then, you know, what kind of strain that puts on us. Because it's just... Sci-fi movies, a lot of them, or books, at their core, oftentimes, are natural disaster movies. Mm -hmm. They're about... Or books, sorry. They're about, um, you know, natural disasters. The ship doesn't have a light drive anymore. We need to figure out how to do... Or the ship's breaking up, or you know, aliens, here they come. Well, all these things are natural disasters put in a different... It's something we have to cope Mm. with with the use of our technology. Interesting. We have to overcome a natural disaster Mm. of some kind. People are going to disagree with me, but that's something that I've missed.
0: Okay, my favorite, real quick, is is Hyperion, Dan Simmons. Uh. Uh, Maybe partly biased because it's the most recent... I'm quickly scanning through. I think it's the most recent. Well, okay, I would say that and actually C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Mm. Both of which, by the way, I hope they never get their greedy hands on and turn into a movie. Because they can't. Because both are ripe for just getting absolutely brutalized by Hollywood.
1: You know, can I say something really quick? Sorry to interrupt, but I don't care. <laughs> Let them brutalize it. I'll probably go watch it. I don't know. I'm, d- I'm done judging things and being like, Oh, this is terrible. Have you seen the movies they did at The Hobbit? Yeah, I watched all four. Okay. They were long. First they, of they all. They made four movies out of the of all, Hobbit. All four.
0: I mean, dude, <clears> it's offensive. They were, offensive. Fun. They were okay, a romp. Okay, well anyway.
1: They were a romp, man.
0: Okay, so They're not the Hobbit.
1: you wanna go to a movie and watch a fucking <laughs> book scroll down the screen? Go be my guest. I'm gonna go actually enjoy myself. Yeah, I did not. I don't it care. It's not the source material. People go get freaked out about like, oh, the the Avengers movies or whatever. Like they're so untrue to the original Marvel comics. Blah blah blah. Don't care. They're not comic books. You're not going there to watch a comic book. That's not my problem with the Marvel. Avengers I don't care series. if people twist IP in a million different directions. If they made the Lord of the Rings right now and it was all about uh, 80s disco people, who it was like a. A modern remake of The Lord of the Rings where it was like all about 80s disco, but it was the story of the Lord of the Rings. I wouldn't give a shit. I wouldn't watch it. That's not, true. but I wouldn't care. That's not true. I would not. care. That is so. If that's not what true. they want to spend a billion dollars on. Go be my guest. I don't give a shit. No,
0: that's not true. I'm tired of judging. You would people. not. No, because you just ripped. You just ripped.
1: Something's uh, deserved to be judged.
0: <laughs> you just ripped apart freaking Blade Runner 2049. You but, Tom, the, the things you would say about a Lord of the Rings spinoff...
1: I will tell you that it wasn't a good movie, but I, if that's what they want to do with their time and resources, great. That's
0: such crap. Okay, anyway, to go back to my two favorite, uh, Lewis's Space Trilogy, because it was written in the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. and it's just stunning, and it's an inoffensive allegory about the Christian tradition of Mm -hmm. the origin story that's actually approachable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's stunning.
1: Mm -hmm. He can be, Lewis can be difficult. I keep interrupting you, but I'm the guest, so I'm going to keep doing that. That's fine. Uh, People get to hear you all the time. Uh, Is there a, are there hints of his beliefs in um, universalism in those three books? Or did in that the, come in later in the space trilogy? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's subtle hints.
1: Isn't isn't universalism implied in the fact that there's more than one uh, every every race. Jesus allegory yes. for each race? Yes,
0: there's different narratives, and every of the same God. Yeah, and it's playing out on every world. Mm-hmm. It's all the same story.
1: It's all interconnected. So the implication is it would play out in different historical and yeah,
0: it's there. Uh, I mean, it's most explicit in The Last Battle.
1: Uh, Is it called The Last
0: No, The Last Battle in, oh, oh, in oh, Narnia. Oh, Narnia, yeah, of course. Book 7,
1: Narnia. It's practically, there's practically three chapters. Just I remember about the, it. There's like a whole thing where they're just like tied up and captive. And they just spend like three chapters tied up and captive talking about Yeah. this whole concept. And it's like, okay. Yeah. We'll take a story break, I guess.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and then Hyperion, uh, because it was phenomenally written. Mm -hmm. I looked up, uh, Dan Simmons. He's like Colorado's teacher of the year for like two or three years. He taught high school for 14 years. Mm -hmm. He just, I wish he'd been, you know, I'd known him when I was in high school. Seems like a really great guy. He's the character of the captain or the uh, the mm-hmm. ambassador, whoever that mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. just a very compelling, not main character since he like
1: seven. There's how many chapters is it is does it take him to tell in the original book the story of that world? Yeah, that right there is one of the best pieces of writing I've ever had yeah. in my life. Yeah, that was stunning. It just it just plops in. It's like two chapters long, three chapters long, yeah. and it's just like oh my god. And he's playing with a lot of different worlds. He's got like 20
0: things he's thrown up in the air. And he's somehow making Connected it all land. Yep, and yep. he can write
1: well. And he, he does connect things in a conceivable way. There's no piece that feels out There's of place. nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. even... And then he jumps into AI. Well, it's... He he nails... Even Chaucer didn't nail it. But it's Canterbury Tales yeah. in a sci-fi context. And he absolutely... He crushes it in a way that even Canterbury Tales didn't.
0: Yeah. Crush it. So, those are my two favorite universes. Authors. Is that what
1: it's called, Canterbury Tales?
0: Yeah, I think yes. so. I haven't
1: read it. I haven't. I've I've read like two of them. Okay, of worst. O- the one about the farting priest. I think. What? There's like a farting priest. In, they were all about like shit and fart jokes in the medieval ages. That's like how, like their humor. That's where it was. It was like shit and fart jokes all the time. It's depressing. And then people showing their ass in public. Uh, okay. Like a big part of their humor was like <laughs> people having like a public shit accident and showing their ass, and I'm just like you. I think I'm racist against people in the past, <laughs> like pe- like white people, people that I come from, like English, Swedish people. There's a there's a word I'm like, for that. You I think. dumb fucks. You're so stupid. yeah. There's definitely a word for that. But you know what? Is it elitism? No.
0: There's something. Okay. Getting this train back on the rails. Worst (laughs) I've thrown so much universe? Yeah. I've I've (laughs) heavy editing. (laughs) No, not heavy editing, just trying to keep the ship afloat. Okay, worst universe that you walked into or most frustrating, you know, like world that let you down the most or author
1: who let you down. Well, one thing that I do is go to bookstores and buy books based on their cover. Yeah. Um, well that's a recipe for disaster yeah and it has been many many times uh, I've read books about uh, frustrating ones is what I like to think about rather than just ones where it was a complete dud from the beginning but I remember one about um, he w- did a really really good job of explaining how scientifically it would be possible for a planet to grow or to grow a, essentially a tree a living organism to grow around a sun and to create an atmosphere throughout the entirety. Uh, Really did a good job of explaining it scientifically. Um, Fascinating. And then just, he set up this whole thing, and then just, the stakes were so goddamn low, and the (laughs) writing was so bad. I mean, dude, (laughs) I remember He's got a sun at the center. And a tree growing around it, essentially, like a plant growing around it. Which was really interesting. It was like an organism. Um, I remember... It's kind of a rip-off of Norse mythology's entire... Well, no, it was. it's like a circular tree going around a sun, essentially. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, huh. it was really interesting. Um, but then it was so frustrating. And there's been a lot like that where they have some really novel idea, like ring worlds or, you know, yeah. uh, some kind of giant black hole slingshot that shoots ships. You know, there's, like, different things where it's, like, they've got one really cool thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know what's really like that? Any d world. Yeah. Any d world where they're, like, you can set your adventure in the Fantasy Realms series or the, you know, Daggerknife series. Yeah. And it's, like, it's a setting for your D&D adventures. Every single one of them, without fail. I have yet to find one that doesn't begin by saying the coolest things about it, which is like five things. Yeah. And then they're crowdsourced. So there's like a hundred dumb, dumb, dumb people who have tried to write a part of this world <laughs> and it's all canon now. and Yeah. It's bullshit. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah. Just tropes out the ass. It, it there's is There's a hell of D&D books too. I've read a couple of them that are just... I'm not going to decry all of them because some great authors come out of, uh, out of like, you know, they'll write, like they'll be contracted to write three books in a series when they're a young author and then later they are like, established, that used to happen back in like the 70s and 80s, but not much anymore. Okay.
0: Like tour books. Ready for me to throw somebody under the bus here? Yeah, let's hear it. Worst or most frustrating series introduced to, uh, Aragon, Christopher Paolini. (laughs) Christopher Paolini. (laughs)
1: Can I have a little dead air so I can say this clean? Christopher Paolini. <laughs> Wasn't that guy 16 when he read that book? No, he's
0: 14 and he was homeschooled. So in the cult that we were raised in... He I'm going to was... go
1: ahead and burn another bridge here. You know who I put in the same camp as Christopher Paolini? <laughs> Lots of potential, but... Absolutely failed to deliver, Sufjan Stevens.
0: Oh, okay. Another
1: person who no, everyone was crazy about when I was a kid, and I was like, No, this guy does not have. No, the potential no, no, to that'll me. be completely. I'm getting out. glares from. You have not all listened sides.
0: to. No, you have not listened
1: to. to I listened to. What's it called? Something something day, I, like five times. Rowan Polanski day. No, here's the, here's what happened. Trying to understand because he was about to write fifty albums about every state in the United States, and he got he stopped in <laughs> Indiana or wherever Chicago no, is. here's what happened. I don't care. No, you, he did a bad job on the saw, first album. It's not a good no, album. You saw the people who were listening
0: to Sufjan Stevens, and you decided he is a joke. No, I listen to no, a lot of. Sufjan I guarantee because I've got a visual effort. of the if you took. Every single Sufjan Stevens person who like loves him and has a tattoo of some of his lyrics and you combined them and created a prototype person, that's your like, your anti-hero is that person. Maybe I just
1: was never fated to, maybe my personality just doesn't line up well with Sufjan Stevens.
0: You know, Josh White used to say the only thing worse than a hipster is an old hipster.
1: Josh White's an old hipster.
0: Yes, that's true. But so so is Sufjan. I still
1: like Josh White. Yeah. I like the guy. No, I do too. I'm He saying, might be an old hipster, but I like No, him. but Sufjan is that now. Oh, okay.
0: So now it's like, okay, we get it, dude.
1: But. You know who really can't sing? That guy, what's his name? <laughs> I forget his name.
0: Okay. so so Christopher Paolini, most frustrating universe was.
1: He's got the album that's all white and then there's a landscape in the middle of it. What? You love him. I've loved many. Artists no, no, no! This guy is classic oh, hipster standby. Are you
0: kidding me? Who no, am I talking no, about? We're, <laughs> I'm not
1: even letting you. Have, Who am I talking no, about? This What's is his a, name? This is a fire that y- is not
0: getting any oxygen. I You're talking about you Bony Bear.
1: Ah, that's him. Okay,
0: let me tell you something, Tom. I'll burn on this. No, fire. <laughs> listen. You get Tom. You get pneumonia. Get dumped by your girlfriend and go live in a cabin out in the Cascade Mountains and tell me you don't come back and you've just written fire. I
1: don't come back from that.
0: Okay. Well, he did and he came back. He should
1: have taken his wins and gone home. He shouldn't no. have tried to become an artist after that.
0: No, you. that is such... Oh, man, I'm going to save that recording. All I'm
1: doing right now is making sure that... You're this doomed. is an incredibly popular episode of your podcast because of the controversy it creates. No, yeah,
0: this is unacceptable. Okay, so worst universe for me, Aww. Christopher Paolini's Aragon. I don't need to go into why. If you've read it, you shouldn't have put you a understand. mic in there. And your worst up, ep- your worst is just w- the different things people have done with D uh, and D.
1: Specifically, I think I, yeah, I must have said something specific. There was a specific one I said. Um, that didn't live up to the hype. I I tell you what, Star Star Wars comic books that came out in the eighties. I used to get anthology sets at the library and read through them. You're not gonna throw those under the bus, are you? No, some of the best universe created. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were fucking great. Oh like, yeah, there were whole like. That is a. Yeah. There should have been a whole franchise based on that stuff right there. Oh, I don't want them touched. I want them in. Star inside. Wars Expanded Universe books, not so much, but those comics from the seventies and eighties, so good. Really badly drawn, but
0: really good. Worst reboot ever? Is it the alien movies that came after of the Phamethius? first or is it the Phantom Menace? Um The year is two thousand one. Okay. Freaking Fellowship of the Ring is coming out. You are given the keys to
1: extend the Star Wars universe. George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney for some crazy amount of billion dollars, and he donated all of that money to charity, every single cent. I'm I'm searching. I'm. He may have burned a hole in my little eleven year old or eight year old mind, but. Uh, And really, you know, scarred me for life. Tom, McDonald's was selling poker chip character cards of
0: Jar Jar
1: Binks and Padme Amadilla. McDonald's! I've watched The Phantom Menace in the last year, and I didn't hate it. I don't even know who you are. I don't... I'm looking at you... Let's bring up more things that I can be controversial about. Say some, like, commonly held (laughs) beliefs, and I will contest it.
0: (laughs) Libraries are a beacon of hope in a dying world.
1: I think old white ladies get too much airtime in America. (laughs) 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 They're they're around too much. Like, shouldn't they have some kind of like special place where Uh, they can expend their efforts away from?
0: I can name three. Authors right now who fit into your definition of old white lady who are some of the most powerful voices. Ursula Le Guin, hello, she just passed away, unfortunately. Uh, arguably one of the greatest. I was a grasping at straws. I can't think of anything bad to say about libraries. Okay, that's great. Uh, any last things you want to touch on? What are you? Are you reading anything interesting right now? Um,
1: I. I uh I am um hmm, trying to think. Last time I read a book was probably nine months ago. Yeah. Taking a little hiatus. It's been a long how's time. Your,
0: uh, how's your Dungeons
1: and Dragons... World uh, building?
0: World building.
1: Great. I can't decide whether to call it the rings or the wheels. Are you going to go with that That concept? It's going to be... With? I think up to somewhere in the 20s co-incentrically orbiting bodies yeah. connected together. You've been playing with that for a while. Uh, what I've done is, honestly taken most of what i've written from the time i was about 13 years old and put it most because there's things i'm holding back but you dumped it all into one i really amalgamated a lot of it not in a way where it's just like well we'll do this and this and this but in a way where i'm like i've kind of been thinking about the same thing yeah in a hundred different ways yeah yeah yeah. it's kind of that thing of like you know you've got that one shot and you're like this is my good one yeah i will say there's some others that i really like that are not a part of it, but, but yeah, a lot of the really juicy stuff is in there. And, um, you guys are going to be doing some crazy shit for sure. I've got some really wild ideas. Are we going to get dad involved? Uh, eventually I think guesting rather than a consistent part of it, because I would rather do weekly than biweekly because I'm not down to do just like 25 sessions in a year. That seems like a lot. But it's not like we could get through like um adventure or something in between like probably seven, eight sessions, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what kind of speed you guys like to move at. And like, I guess maybe four adventures a year would be cool, but I'd like to get through like campaigns in a year. I'd yeah. like to be like, yeah, we've moved from like, you know, petty little heroes to like, you know. Yeah, within a year, I'd like you guys, like, you know, owning property and, like, you have connections throughout the, the univ- you know, the wow. world and, like, you know, you have, like, spies in this city and you're connected to bankers in this one and, like, you guys are doing small, like, commerce type stuff or maybe, like, beginning to build your castles or whatever you're doing. Wow. You're, like, you're connected to kings at that point rather than innkeepers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd like that to happen within a year so that there could be some real payoff for you guys. A big thing that I want to do is cycle characters. When you reach level 20, you are at a godlike level of power, no matter what character you are. And those, got, those are fun to play for cataclysmic, world-ending adventures, but you can't have one of those every week. You just can't. I could do like a... You know, 20-session arc, a huge campaign all about something like that. But I see you guys maxing out characters in two years, maybe a little more, and then starting fresh ones, which is what you want to do. It's like reading a book. Mm -hmm. You use something, it treats you well, and then you let it it set it aside and the characters you create and the people you influence and the events that you cause – are the world which your new characters emerge into.
0: Hey, thanks so much for listening today. That was my conversation with Thomas Bradley. Hey, I would love to hear from you, the listener, what kind of interviews or books you would like me to review, or who you would recommend me having on the show. So please don't hesitate to reach out. And as always, thanks for listening. The theme music was provided, as always, by Brennan Knott, and the design of the brand behind YouTube and Book Review was by the lovely Melissa Leith. Talk to you later.